Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Just a little bit of of housekeeping, not much before we dive into the sermon. Uh, The year is coming to a close, June, uh, as you saw earlier, the congregational meeting coming up. That is the official end of the year. It's the end of our um, fiscal year, new budget, all those things. Please consider attending that meeting. Um, As always, lots of important stuff to be considered and talked about, voting on the budget for next year. And just speaking of budget, we're in great shape. Um, We're at like 98, 99%. So we're right there. But as always, just an encouragement, finish strong. So if if you uh, made a pledge in your mind, this is what I'm going to be giving this year, and you fall a little bit behind, now is the time to get those, uh, those pledges in, those offerings in. Um, but yes, that meeting is going to be a big deal. You're going to hear a lot of information about all of this money we have in the bank, how we plan on spending it for the expansion. You've probably noticed there's a lot of dirt gone. There's some trees missing. Um, all of it is, is coming along nicely. So thanks be to God for that. Uh, you'll get a full update on that in the, in the meeting that's coming up. Our text this morning is from John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's really um, a very cool text that John records. Jesus is praying out loud. Um, which is an interesting choice of his. He's intending on the disciples hearing this. I mean, he could have gone and prayed separately. He even refers to himself in third person at one point, which is just kind of interesting. He's making sure everybody understands that as he's praying, he's also discipling them. Um, So it's two things. It's, It's about his relationship to the Father in heaven, but it's also about this relationship that he has with his disciples. Because this is the word of our Lord and Savior, would you please stand? When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed." I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, oh, this text is just thick and full of so many potential directions of what Jesus is saying and talking about. I could preach 10 different sermons on different verses here, 
but I just simply don't have the time because uh, I got a confirmation party to go to. <laughs> so <laughs> we're definitely not running long today. <laughs> but the, the main point for our consideration this morning is kind of what Dan was talking about in the confession and absolution, this knowing God. And it's an important concept to, to know God. Um, we get that, we understand that. I mean, that's why we're here. You know, it's why Phoebe goes through confirmation, to know God better to the point where she stands up and says, this is what I believe, this is what I know, um, this is what is true, and this is my faith. That's, that's the point of confirmation. You know, at baptism, sins are washed away. We believe that God is able to do this miraculous, incredible thing, right? To give a gift to a child is easy for any of us to do. Now, all of us did this when our, our kids were born. We gave them stuff they didn't even understand, right? We, we gave them the, the clothes they are wearing. We, we give them the crib they sleep in. We give them these things that they have, and they don't even appreciate it or know it. I mean, baptism is the same. God gives in baptism the same way we give to our children. So thanks be to God, right? That gift given in baptism, now all of these years later, is expressed, or as we're also going to hear in our text this morning, manifested. It comes to light. But to know God, for our consideration this morning, has this really important ramification that we all just should pause every now and then, and it's kind of winding down of the, of the Easter season, and we're moving into Pentecost, and then the church year, over the summer, lots of Psalms and, and New Testament texts that go with it, but to know God is eternal life. This is eternal life. That is what Jesus says in our text this morning, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Jesus speaking out loud, and he says that they may know you and Jesus Christ. He's talking in third person. It's, it's kind of weird, right? We make fun of people who do that. Let me rephrase that. I make fun of people who do that. <laughs> I don't know if you do. You know, when somebody talks in third person, it's, like, it's a strange thing. But what Jesus is doing is he's informing. Remember, he's not just praying to God. Please don't ever pray in third person. That, that is weird. But Jesus is doing it for the benefit of the people listening. So he says that they may believe and have eternal life. And what is that about? Knowing the Father and the one he has sent, Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. <laughs> That's a title. It informs who he is. Jesus the one who saves, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that has been promised, okay? This, this is why he says it in third person out loud for others to hear, which is absolutely kind of strange on the surface until you examine it and go, oh, okay, that's why. He wants them to be sure and certain of this truth, that he is from God, yes, but he is the Christ from God, and there's the, the, the key, the, the, the first step to knowing God. The first step to this gnosko in the Greek, to know him. This first step is knowing him. What is that to know God? Well, it's not just this, this head knowledge, right? It, it is not just to know the details of his life, stuff he said, 
when he lived, when he died. We can all know people like that without having the same gnosko knowledge of somebody, to, to study somebody of history. If you want to study Abraham Lincoln and learn all about him and the things he wrote and the things he said, you can do that. But do you know him? I mean, you wouldn't say, you, I know Abraham Lincoln because you know, I read a lot about him, right? <laughs> I can tell you when he lived, when he died, and all these things. But you don't know him. And it's, it's not necessarily just an emotional connection either, right? We can know people on a purely emotional level without knowing anything really about their background or their history. If I'm not making sense to you, there, this absolutely is a reality, okay? But to have a visceral, emotional response to a name of somebody you've never met, you don't know much about their life or their background. You, you can, if you ever want to see somebody have an emotional like, response, like a very visceral, outward, loud, emotional response to a person that he's never met or, or knows much about, just watch Daniel when Jordan Poole gets the ball. <laughs> right? That's all you got to do. The man loses his mind. But it's Understandable, since the Warriors are his favorite team. <laughs> but that emotional and visceral response isn't knowing somebody either. Just because they cause an emotional response in you doesn't mean that you know them. So what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to, to actually know who he is and to know Jesus? Well, we kind of talked about it last week, the role of the Holy Spirit in making Jesus known. That's his job. Well, today, and I tipped this last week a little bit too, but today we're focusing on Jesus, and he says, I have manifest your name to them. This concept and idea of manifest. Let's go into this a little bit. What does it mean to manifest something? This is... Well, this is everywhere in our culture. When, when people talk about, you know, manifesting their, their future or manifesting a job or manifesting something in their life, they, they think it into existence, they wish it, whatever it is. It's, it's in the culture that, that we live in to an extent at least. But to manifest something is, is not to make something that isn't into something that is. It's, it's, I don't manifest a career, right? I don't manifest these things. What it is is to show something that's already there that maybe other people haven't seen. This is what Jesus does. He says, I have manifest your name. In fact, I think we have the verse, don't we? Did I not include that one? Oh, I did. Verse 3. This is eternal life. Oh, sorry, no, I missed it. That's uh, verse 6, I'll just read it. Sorry, I didn't put it up. I have manifested your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. To manifest something is, is to say that this is the way it is, and this is the way it always has been. You simply haven't been able to see it yet. Right? There was this concept in, in our country way back when, called Manifest Destiny. Maybe you learned about this in school, in history class. This Puritan idea, some of the early religious leaders who came to this country uh, had this concept of Manifest Destiny, that God in this new country was going to raise up a nation that, that in some way, shape, or form would bring about the peace 
that would spread through all the world and justice for all people and freedom for others. And how's that working out? <laughs> right? Manifest destiny, a, a catastrophic failure of a concept. And why is that? Because manifest destiny is a concept about us. It's a concept about us. We try and make manifest destiny or the concept of manifestation about us. When we talk about manifesting something, it's, it's always for our benefit, for our joy, for our pleasure, for our success, whatever it is. We're talking about ourselves. And when Jesus says, I have manifested your name, he's not saying he's manifesting himself. He's saying, as the Christ, if you want to get to know me, what you are really doing is getting to know the Father. And if you know me, then you know the Father. And as you start to know me and to know the Father, you also know the Spirit. And the more you get to know this Godhead, this, this triune, three-in-one God, the more you understand who he is. But the first step in doing that is understanding who you are because he is the Christ. See, that's the thing. As he manifests himself, we see he is perfect without sin, perfectly obedient, fulfills the law, does all of these things, and I don't. <laughs> and I am flawed, and, and I have all of these characteristics about myself, all of this sin in my life that, that is clearly different from Jesus. As we get to know Jesus, we see how different he is from me. As we get to know Jesus, to know the Father, we see how different God is than us. That's important to, to wrap our heads around, to understand just how different God is. And we would have no way of really understanding or knowing God unless Jesus would manifest him to us. And that's what he does. Jesus manifests. He says, this is what God is like. This is, this is what the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are like. God is he who saves us. If you want to, to know God better, if you want to know Jesus better. It's not about studying him to learn more details and facts. It's not about the, the specific doctrines and theologies and all of those details. I know that sounds weird because I'm totally a guy who loves to drill down into those things. I get it, um, as most Lutherans do, but I'm sort of crazy about it. To drill down on these doctrines, that's not to know him, but rather to know us and how flawed we are and how sinful we are. Because the more you get to know Jesus, the more you look at yourself as someone who needs to be rescued. I mean, I think most people know this on some level. Most people have some sort of sense that, that I, <laughs> I need to be saved from myself. I mean, it's, it's in the secular self-help stuff. When we look and read and we go, oh, so the, the majority of my problems, the, the source of those are me. <laughs> I'm the one who keeps getting in my way. I'm the one 
who keeps causing these things to happen. I'm the one who needs to learn how to manage my own emotions, my own self. I'm the one who needs to, to draw my boundaries. I'm the one. It's me. It's, I'm the problem. I'm not singing it, I promise. <laughs> I did one, so I'm not doing it again. That's, that's true. It's, it's so true that even it's in our pop culture, we, we kind of get it. We sort of understand. And the more you know God, the more you realize, well, I am far from him. I'm not like God. I'm not like this Jesus who is perfect and, and obedient. And I'm, I'm nothing like him. And this is why Jesus says to know Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't our model for behavior because that's ridiculous and impossible. Jesus isn't our model as a good teacher to tell us how to live and what to do. Jesus isn't the rabbi, even though they call him that many times. Jesus isn't the political leader. He isn't the revolutionary. Jesus isn't those things. He is the Christ. He's the one who rescues us from ourselves rescues us from sin, that we can't get out of our lives, our, our flawed, sinful nature, our brokenness. He rescues us. That's who he is. He's not the judge angry because we're not behaving correctly. He's not the one who is upset with us because our life is a wreck and a ruin. He's not the, the dad who is angry because you don't talk to him enough or you haven't visited in a long time. He's not that guy. He is the one who goes, I know, I understand, and I'm here to save and to rescue you from this world that is broken, that is sinful, that will never be a place of perfect peace, justice, and freedom until he re remakes it into a new earth when he returns. And that doesn't mean we don't work for justice and peace and do what we can. Obviously, that's the key. But we understand that it's not going to be because we somehow participate in the, the structures of the world, the, the way the world works in politics or any of these things. We don't work with the world to make the world a better place. And Jesus makes it very clear in our text. He says, this, is, this isn't on the screen, so don't worry about it. <laughs> He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. And so the last point of our text is, in the world, not part of the world. In the world and not part of the world. This is such a difficult distinction for Christians to make. Because we believe doesn't mean that, that somehow we are jettisoned out of culture and society and exist over here, although there's Christians who believe and work to that end and, and try to separate and remove themselves. That's not what Jesus says. He says, I've taken them out of the world, but then the text that we do have up on the screen is verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Now, he's not confused. Are they out of the world or are they in the world? What he is saying is, they remain here, and they remain in the world, but there is a distinction. They're not part of the world, but they're there here in the world. Think of it like this. And in fact, um, if you didn't know this, this, this is a fun fact, our sanctuary is built in the shape of a ark. Some of you knew that. 
you think about it, this is, this is kind of the basic design of what Noah's ark was like. It's kind of like we're a body of believers in the ark together. And if you're on a boat, right, you want the boat to be in the water. <laughs> if it's not in the water, well, is it really a boat first? But like, it's also not, not serving the purpose you want it to serve. But if you're in a boat, you want it in the water, but you don't want it to be part of the water, <laughs> Right? You want a clear distinction where ocean ends and boat begins. Otherwise, you have an uh, artificial reef at the bottom of the ocean. You want it in the ocean, but not part of the ocean. And with that, what does that mean? It, it means that, that we are here, not, not just away from the ocean that is the world. We're, we're in the midst of it, but it also doesn't mean that we're fighting this world that we're in. You don't want to fight the ocean. In fact, the ocean is, is that which makes the boat a boat. In, in fact, it is what gets you to where you're going. That the world exists and, and that it is sinful and broken and, and that there is so much evil in this world is part of this relationship between the church and the world. Right? It's, it's not one that God designed he didn't intend for it. He doesn't love the fact that the world is broken and sinful and evil. But that's on us. That's not on him. We're the ones who sinned. See, this is what is manifest about God. This is what is manifest about us. That we're sinful, that we're flawed, that we're broken. That this world is just trash in so many ways. But guess what? We got a boat. And that's our gracious God saying, in Jesus Christ, our, our Lord, our Savior, our God, says there is a boat that will sustain you through this broken world. And there is enough room on this boat for absolutely everybody on earth. And there is, there is free passage on this boat that has as its destination eternal glory where there is nothing but joy and freedom and justice and love for all time. There are new bodies raised from the dead. There is a new heavens and a new earth and God is with his people. That is the destination of this ark that we call the church. It's right here. <laughs> you are all welcome on it. What is the passage fee? Well, it's really, really expensive, but the good news is someone else paid for it. In his death, Jesus pays passage for each and every one of us to get on that boat. So what do I have to do? Just believe in him. To know that he is God. And to know that he is so different from us, not to have all the details and the, the doctrines and everything, all this figure it out, but rather to know he's the one that rescues me from this. He is very different from everything that I experience. And my knowledge of him, my feelings about him, none of these things really matter as long as I know who he is and I experience him. And if you want to experience God, examine yourself. If you want to know God, examine yourself and be brutally honest with yourself. Look at every one of your flaws. Everything you've ever done that was wrong, that was sinful, that was bad. I mean, just in, from little kid, 
until you're the age you are now. Examine all of those things to know God. And say, that is the opposite of him. But that's knowing. If you really want to know God, the last step is to believe him. Believe him when he says, all of that's true, but I love you. And I forgive you. And the more you start to do that, you go, but, but did you know about when I, yeah, I, I knew about that too. All right, but there was this time back in college, well, no, 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 that too. And you, you examine more and more and more, and you still love me? Yes. Believe that. Believe that it is forgiven. Your passage is already paid. It, it, the boat is already built. The destination is set and promised. And now you know. You know God. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.